something all right so for the next 30 seconds there is going to be silence we should only hear the wearings of the aircon so I'm gonna set a timer okay no talking no mumbling if you obviously if you have to cough or sniff like that's okay all right setting the timer you can close your eyes you can keep them open 30 seconds, go. How was that? You can take your seats. How was it? 30 seconds, being quite still. Was it almost a bit unnerving? I know for me, like I was prepared for it to happen and I was still like watching the time. Are they gonna like throw, I don't know, tomatoes at me? Are they gonna be like, what's she doing? Like who started to kind of get a bit like, who wanted to be like, is everyone else? standing who was like um, have you noticed the amount of noise in our lives I know those of us who are over a certain age were like oh kids these days their music and then when we were teenagers our parents went oh kids these days you know I got in trouble for hit like having electric dreams on loud my dad came in and he went is that an electric guitar right here playing in your room Tanya I went click yeah sorry you know there's so much noise in our lives it's it bombards us music you know everywhere vying for our attention music in the shops different music in the different shops you go oh okay this is one shop and then I go out oh well okay there's music in the mall and there's music in a different shop I was in a shop the other, the other week. And every time I go in there, I think, oh, I'm not gonna go in there again. But you know, it's so alluring. They always have sales. I'm saving money every time I go into that shop. Anyway, I was in one of these shops and the song playing had so many expletives. I'm talking like, not just mildly suggested. I'm talking in your face, bleh, 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 bleh. And I was like, they're not even attempting to hide it, you know? And then I'm looking at the young girls at the counter who are not even like moved. And I was like, oh. you know, Netflix, emails, ads, the next level in our game. It's always shouting at us, demanding our attention, buy this, shop here. I am, well, I'm a marketing person's dream. Just even when we're getting coffee, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna get these shiny things on my car. Paul's like, why? Because it's shiny and it's for Christmas and why wouldn't you? Like, like I am that person. However, like society, it's just everywhere, demanding our attention. Everything seems to be a demand. 
That's just like in the atmosphere. We seem to feel the need to fill every waking moment with noise and it's almost as if we can't stand to be around silence. Now it has been noted that people are only okay with being silent when they're in the presence of someone they feel comfortable with. When they're with those people, it's just lovely to sit and say nothing. Those of us who courted, you know, you sit across. Probably, well, for us it was Hungry Jacks because we were, couldn't afford anything else. You know, and you just sit there, don't have to say anything, just look at each other. You know, it's, it's actually quite interesting that you do that right in the beginning of your relationship and then as, like, time goes on, you actually don't need to say anything. It's okay to just sit there, probably don't look at each other as much because, like, there's a bit more wrinkles and it's like, oh, man, she needs to get some filler. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, but, you know, like, interesting. The beginning of your relationship, you know, as you become more comfortable... But you just sit there because you enjoy each other's company. My key scripture today is from, I nearly said pastor, because it's P.S. Psalms 46, verse 7 to 11. I'm going to give you the whole um, section here, but we're going to focus on one little bit, and I'm sure you can figure it out when I get to it. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of, Ab- of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to to the ends of the earth. He breaks the the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. See, the only way you can be silent around God is if you're comfortable in his presence. Or if you want to learn to be comfortable in his presence. And the way to learn to be truly comfortable in his presence is to just start practicing being quiet in his presence. I remember when David was a toddler and he was always, he would fight having his nap because he was one of those on-the-go kids. Like, you know, if he wasn't talking, he was running or he was climbing or, you know, one time he came down crying because he'd spent the last little while figuring out how to stick on the wall like this. You know, always on the go. Why can't I stick on the wall? Dude, because you're not Spider-Man. But I am Spider-Man. I've got the clothes. I believe I'm Spider-Man. Always on the go. Always on the go. But this is how I would get him to go to sleep. Because if he didn't have a sleep, right, I needed him to have a sleep. It's just one of those kids that can just keep going and going. Energize a bunny. But I would have to lie with him and it would only be a couple of minutes, not even. And it'd just be no talking. Shh just lying still and he would always fall asleep and have really good sleeps. Now, I don't know if you realise this, but we actually all go to sleep by pretending to go to sleep. 
Nobody just is like, oh, I'm walking along, oh, I've fallen asleep. The people that do that have a condition <laughs> that is not, you know, they need to, because that's dangerous. But what do we need to do? We have to be in bed or on the couch and we have to close our eyes. Just be still. Now, if you're like me, <laughs> oh, those 50 billion things that I didn't do today, I haven't done. Meanwhile, we've learned that I, if I, he has to stay up late, otherwise, like, I have to go to sleep first, otherwise I won't fall asleep. But, yeah, he falls asleep. This is how, I don't know how you were made, but this is how someone goes to sleep. Dear Pastor Paul, he just lies there. <laughs> it's not normal. It's not normal. And he just lies there. And he's asleep. And then he wakes up and he looks like that. It's not normal. Okay. So what do you think it means to be still in God's presence? Now, parents, have you ever had your child come up and sit on your lap? Or if you work in, like, child environments where that little person comes and sit on your lap? I remember when Talia was a tiny little thing, as much sass as she's got now. She just had to grow into it. And, um, you know, she was... Just eating dinner was like a pain. Talia, eat up, eat up. See, she would find the plate of food too much. She had to like have little bits. And we'd say, and she'd go, can I just sit on your lap? Then I'll eat. And we'd go, no, eat your dinner. Next minute, how did you get here? Why are you on my lap? Why am I feeding you? Like she just had this way of just like, here I am. And then we're like, oh, oh and that's going to make it harder for the next time. Sometimes your child will come and just sit there and chatter away and away and chatter. Who knows lots of things about megalodons and, I don't know, trucks. And, and I'm a grade one teacher, so I get it everywhere, everywhere. Or, you know, sometimes kids will ask you for things. They'll just sit there, another Talia story. Mum, can we make cupcakes this afternoon? This is like way back when she was in primary school. I'm like, yeah, I think we could do that. When, you know, I had a normal life and just could go home and bake cupcakes. And she's like, okay, good. Um, because I've signed you up to bring cupcakes for tomorrow's bake stall, okay? Sometimes, like, get off my lap. <laughs> Sometimes the kids will just talk about something that intrigues them. You know, that's when you have the best conversations. But every once in a while, your child will just crawl up onto your lap and just sit there. They don't want anything. They don't even want to talk about anything, and those are the best times. They just want to be with you, sit with you, and there's nothing like that feeling. That one action says, I love you. I trust you. I am safe with you. Now, when people pray... Now, I've used the word people because that means then it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. 
If I say people, we all go, yeah, that's for the other people, okay? But it's really about us. What do we do? We say, right, I'm going to have my prayer time. I'm going to have my quiet time. Okay, yep, Jesus, thank you for this day. Yep, thank you. Amen. Now here's my list. I've got a big list today. Can we get through it? Who does that? No one? Oh, oh, Jay. The one honest person in this room. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God for stuff. We're told all the way through the word. You know, you don't receive if you don't ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. So there's nothing wrong about asking God for things in prayer. But can you imagine what it is like for God, the ultimate parent, when we just sit there, just to be, be with him? Now, God reminds us to be still. There's many times in the Bible where he says, be still. Psalm 4.4, when you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Psalm 27.14, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait. David says in Psalm 62, truly God is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress for God alone. Oh, my soul, wait in silence. And Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Be still. Be quiet. Wait for God. But see what happens when it's really quiet? It feels empty. Just waiting, waiting. It's like, should I say something? Should I what? Should should I? You see, we misjudge the distance between God and ourselves, and we think that we have to make up the difference if it's too silent. You know, like it's like God, God. Okay, um, maybe you didn't hear me about my other prayers, like. I kind of need that answer today. Like, I need it now before I leave my little quiet space and go out into the whirlwind that's about to happen. So let's clarify the sense of being still. It does start to sound a little bit like Eastern religion, yoga, meditation, be still, be silent, breathe in, breathe out. Now. Yoga or the meditation is actually the art of doing nothing, of breathing, emptying your mind. Bad. This is not about yoga. This is not about meditation. Because if you don't fill yourself with God, something else is going to fill it. Okay? Now, I've seen some pretty scary evidences of those voids being filled. Trust me. You don't want to be a part of that. You don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's great when they come out and they're gone, but the process, whoo. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through places seeking rest and it doesn't find it. But then it says, I will return to the place that I left and it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean. Why wouldn't you want to go back into that clean, nice, beautiful place? But if you fill it, with God, 
then the, that evil spirit goes, um, go, I'd rather go into those pigs over there. Jesus is saying you can't just empty yourself and expect everything to be good. We don't want that. So that is, that is not, let me just, that is not what we're talking about when I'm saying be still. When God asks us, actually it's a command, when he says to be still, he's not asking us to do nothing. He simply says what? Be still and know that I am God. See, when we're told to be still, this is the call for us to stop fighting the whirlwind. Be still. GT spoke about that like experience that he had this morning. Now the word still is a translation of the Hebrew word rapah, meaning to slacken, let down or cease. It is a picture of two people fighting until someone separates them and makes them drop their weapons. It also has the meaning to heal or to be healthy. Hmm. Coincidence? Often we interpret the command to be still as being just quiet in God's presence. No, quietness is only one part of it. To be still means stop frantic activity here as well. To be motionless, unmoving. Now, if you're someone like me, you've got 50 tabs open all the time. So for me, the way to be still, I have to get up very early, be very quiet, except the dog knows, so I have to let her in and then, but she knows, so we have our little routine and then she waits for me and she waits for me to go into like the room where I have my quiet time and she's like, is she going? Yep, okay, I'm going on the couch. So even like my puppy knows our routine. Now, know that I'm God. In this instance, it means acknowledge, be aware. How does acknowledging God impact our stillness? Well, we know that he is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, present everywhere, omnipotent, all-powerful. He's holy, sovereign, faithful, infinite, and good. Acknowledging him implies that we can trust him, that we can surrender to his plan because we understand who he is. Be still and know that I am God. In verse 9, it says, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. See, fear abides in times of war. We're watching it on our news now all the time. And there was this, Graham Cook had shared an illustration once um, where he had a vision where he was on the battlefield and the enemy was pursuing him. He was just a little bit ahead, but it was like he was surrounded by, by the enemy. And in the midst of all of that chaos and fear and running and, you know, like, am I going to get away? Am I going to... What is happening? He sees a tent, just a small tent in the middle of all of that. And he hears this voice that says, go into that tent. Okay, I'll go into that tent. And see, he goes into the tent 
and he pulls the flap down. The minute he pulls the flap down, the enemy runs past him. They don't even notice that he's gone because they're still pursuing. And in it was that place where the Lord said to him, this is what my refuge feels like. It doesn't mean the enemy's gone. The enemy's still there. It doesn't mean you're not on the battlefield. The battlefield's still there. You're in the middle of it. But this is my refuge in the middle of it. Be still. Be still. Now, the fear we feel today, we are so blessed to be in a country where we are not ravaged by physical war. We don't have bombs dropping on, you know, our houses. We don't have police coming in our door saying, are you preaching about Jesus? We don't live in that society. We are so blessed. But the fear we carry in our society, in this Western society, is the fear of missing out on something somebody else has. Missing out on something important that will never catch up to some, what somebody else has, or the fear that somebody's gonna take what's mine. You know, people share everything on social media and then they go, how dare you take my idea? It's like the minute you put it out there, it was up for grabs. Yeah, but that's my idea. Fear of missing out. You know, I have JOMO, the joy of missing out, because I actually am one of those people, I love being by myself, I love being, you know, just where I can, Re recharge being by myself. So this isn't, but I have seen in my own household, there are many situations where, um, who would like this? Yep, me. Are you hungry? No, but I don't want to miss out. Who wants to sign up for, I don't know, singing lessons? I do. Can you sing? No, but I don't want to miss out. You're all thinking it. We fear, and, and whether we admit it or not, we do. Like, oh, look, look what this person's doing. Like, I mean, we talk about it being the highlight reel, but, oh, I wish I had a life like that person. Oh, they never look like they're sad. Are you going to post your sad pictures on Facebook and social media? No. If only we could see the truth. There's nothing to fear when we rely on God. He is our strength and our very present help in times of trouble. Jesus knew and understood this when he and his disciples were on a boat in the storm. He was sleeping on a pillow and his disciples didn't like it that he was doing that and they were scared. Don't you care that we're going to die? And he just stood up and he went, peace, be still. Good? Good night. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I mean, man, he is God on earth dealing with tradies. We love tradies. But, but, you know, he was a rabbi, so, he, so there are certainly certain scholarly, you know, applications. That's why there was such a divide. And he's like, really? Be still? Peace. Can you imagine the disciples? 
Did you wake him up? I didn't wake him up. You woke him up. Well, you told me to wake him up. You're scared. No, you were scared. (laughs) The raging storm was brought to a halt and the sea calmed to nothingness in an instant. And he simply said, be still. And it was enough. Can you believe this for your own life as well? The Lord is our very present help. Present. Not a present, but it is a present because like he's given it to you. Our very present help in times of need. It didn't just work then. It won't just work in the future. It's working now. You just have to be still and know that I am God. A pastor asked his congregation once what their favorite Bible verse was. And one young lady's answer shook him to the core. She raised her hand and said, well, my favorite verse of the Bible is be still and know that I'm God. You see, she had a palsy condition. And there were times when she would shake uncontrollably. So here was a woman whose body would never seem to allow her to be still in the physical. And yet that was her goal in life. That was what she longed for, just to know God and have him still her heart, even if her body was doing the exact opposite. How do we know that he is God? How do you know, like, it's like, oh, that's fine. How do you know? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) In order to know him, how do you know someone? You talk with them. You go out with them. You spend time with them, not just in a group, but one-on-one. In order to hear to know him, we need to hear from him. In order to hear from him, we need to realize who he is. He's not some way out there in the cosmos, God. He is present. He is Lord. That means the boss of everything, everything in your life. He's creator. He made it all. To listen to us, uh, to God, this is how I think he would listen to us. It's respectful, focused, be still. You see, being still and focused is actually a learned skill. It doesn't just come naturally. In fact, It needs to be developed through much repetition and intentionality. Now, it's no secret that I teach grade one. I have to teach them every day how to be still, how to be focused. I have little pictures just like where they sit on their carpet and it says, we are focused listeners. (laughs) And every day I have to say, are we focused listeners? They go, yes, we are, as they're like ruffling over here and doing something over here. And, and it's like, okay, well, we are focused when we are respectful. Show me how you sit respectfully. And then there's a whole other like gamut of stuff that I have to show them and teach them. You have safe hands, safe feet. It doesn't come naturally because we are made to move, especially little people. When you listen respectfully, you are quiet. You make eye contact, which means the person you're communicating with knows that you are, like, intentionally listening. 
you are still, have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who was like, or they're like, oh wait, um, just keep talking, I'm just gonna answer this email. It's not focused listening. And if you think you can pray to God while lying down, I'm just going to wait until I'm going to bed so it's the last thing I do before I go to bed, before I fall asleep, and you lie down and you go, dear God, thank you for this day. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, I was praying. Sorry, God, I was praying. Okay, dear God. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. If you found the answer to praying while you're lying down on your pillow, please let me know. Please let me know. I'm sure there's like a book waiting to be written about how to do that. What about while you're doing work? Okay, I'm gonna set my time to pray during the day. Just wait a minute, God, I've just gotta finish this. We need to be still, focus on God, and that means stop talking out loud and in, out loud in your head as well. Close those tabs. Have you heard of a person called Susanna Wesley? Some have. Well, if you haven't, perhaps you've heard of John Wesley or Charles Wesley, Wesley Methodist Church. Susanna was the mum of the Wesley clan. Behind the door of her home, hopeless conditions were the norm. She married a man who couldn't manage money. They disagreed on everything from money to politics. They had 19 children. All except 10 died in infancy, so he's a grieving woman. Her husband, Sam, often just left. No, life's too hard, see ya. Um, yeah, bye. He'd just leave her, sometimes for up to a year. And she wouldn't know, I mean, she can't find him. There wasn't even a postal service back then. She probably couldn't even afford the paper to write it on. One of her children was crippled. Another couldn't talk until he was nearly six. She herself was a sickly woman, constantly in debt. There was little to no money for food. Twice the homes they lived in were burned to the ground, losing everything they owned. And it was assumed, <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> this is why none of you know where I live. <laughs> it was assumed. Where is it? Uh, that the church members did it <laughs> because they were so mad. Oh, did I mention her husband was a preacher? Because they didn't like what he preached from the pulpit. Just send me an email. Don't burn down my house. Just send me an email. Pastor T, didn't like what you said, okay? And I'll go, okay. Don't burn my house down. This preacher, her husband was a preacher and he's leaving and he's gambling and he's going through money and it's like this poor woman. <laughs> so bad, do I? Someone slit the cow's udders so they couldn't have milk. 
Like, what a horrible thing to do. Anyway, when she was young, she promised God that for every hour she spent in entertainment, just things for herself, she would then give him back an hour in prayer and studying the word. Okay? She probably made that when she was six. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just guessing. But obviously before all of this stuff happened, you know, isn't that amazing when we're young and naive and we go, I'm going to serve you no matter what, God. Yeah. Every altar call. Yeah, I'm there. I'm going to serve you no matter what. Oh, and then the enemy goes, oh, I'm hearing that too. This is how you're not going to serve. You're worthless. You're nothing. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Right? We make these promises when we're young. So here's this young girl making a promise to God for every hour that I spend in feeding like my own entertainment and my own like fulfilling my needs, I'm going to give it back to God. Obviously, taking care of the house, raising so many kids, made this commitment nearly impossible to fill. She didn't even have time for entertainment. Let alone the long hours in prayer. She worked the garden, she milked the cow, when she got a new one, She schooled the children and she managed that entire house herself. So what does she do? She gave up. No. No. She decided instead to give the Lord two hours a day in prayer. I'm guessing her house was very small back then. How does she find a secret place? She doesn't have like a room where there's no children. I'm finding it very hard to find a room where there's no children in my house. And I only have eight people in mine. She had 20 in a house that's probably as big as like my living room. So this is what she did. I, I actually, I, I love this story of her, this biography. So she advised her children that when they saw her with her apron over her head, that meant that she was in prayer and couldn't be disturbed. Imagine your kids, if your kids, you come in and there's mum in the middle of the chaos. Right? Now imagine if my kids came home and saw that. (laughs) No respect. No respect. They would laugh. They would jump. My husband would go, what are you doing? Like, but (laughs) she was so devoted to her walk with Christ and praying for her children, praying for her family and like gaining more knowledge in the word that it didn't matter. She was like, okay, if I don't have a space, I'm going to create one. I'm going to sit. I mean, even, even as a parent and as a teacher, that is like, that is some child management. No, not child management, behavior management. Sorry, we don't manage children. Cut that out. The thing. We don't manage children. We, we encourage good behaviour. 
Imagine they all go, oh, oh, yeah, she's praying, she's praying, she's praying. Go, 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 go. We have an auntie that does that. 86. I'm telling you, her house could burn down. No. She lives on the north side. We visit when we can. Knocking on the door. Who is it? It's Paul and the family. Sorry, praying. Actually, I don't even know if she actually will answer. No. So we just have to wait until she's finished. She's like, I will not. I will not. Actually, it's really funny. Two spinster aunties is just a side. Two spinster aunties. One's like, I can't wait for the Lord to take me home. She's 89. Meanwhile, Auntie Sarah's like, no, no. We still have praying to do. We still have things to do. You know, just had cataract surgery. One's got like, I think only just in the last few years, they stopped cooking for like big families, uh, the gift of hospitality on their life. One's like, take me home, Lord. The other one's like, no. And she actually did this with her little bony finger. No, Mira, no. We've got things to do. God's got things for us to do. (laughs) Just like Susanna Wesley. Even in the midst of her chaotic world, she had learned how to be still and know that I am God. She knew that one day her hard life would be over and that she alone, not with her kids, not with the people that burned her house down, she alone would stand before the throne of God and have to give an account of how she lived her life. Now we look at her life and we go, wow, you've got every excuse in the sun, under the sun to go, to leave, okay? Your husband left you, you're poor, just, you know, like, well, Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? She had every, you know, like in our modern day language, every right. You do you, Susanna. Your life is hard. You don't even get counselling. She's like, I don't have time for counselling, but I've got time to do this. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit under my apron because that's all I have. I'm too poor. I don't even have like something else, but I have this apron and I've got this space and I've got him Her sons, John and Charles, were gospel superheroes of the faith. If you've been around long enough and heard stories of, like, you know, the faithful long enough, they are superheroes in the faith. John Wesley preached to nearly a million people in his day, back hundreds of years ago. At the age of 70, he delivered a gospel message of salvation to 32,000 people without a microphone. He brought revival everywhere everywhere he traveled. His brother Charles wrote over 9,000 hymns, many of which are still sung today. Anyone heard of Hark the Herald Angel Singing? Because they had a mother 
their one parent who understood what it was to be still, to know that I am God. So how about we stand now and we're just gonna do another 30 seconds. And we'll just, we're gonna be silent for another 30 seconds. Based on different things that you have taken on board this morning, different things that you're like, yeah, I'm gonna grab hold of that. Let's see how these 30 seconds are different for us. Now this is just between you and God. So we're just gonna stop all movement. Oh, you can sit down, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, mannequin challenge. All right. Be still, know that he is God, time is on.